Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Reality Renner with Mitch and Mark. And Mark, I've got to say, I'm super excited about the responses we've had so far from our first two podcasts. Julian Cress talking about the background of the block, some fascinating stuff, particularly for people who want to get on the block. And of course, Jules and Cam, married at first sight superstars, talking about the renovation we did together, but also some really interesting life moments for them. There are, and I've been really amazed and thrilled, I have to say, by the reviews that we've had left on, on iTunes and Spotify. All that feedback is so valuable to us. So thank you so much. If you want to write a review, do it at the end of the podcast. I especially liked the one that all they said in their review was Mitch, 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 Mitch. It's all about Mitch. You know what, Marky? Um, I've always put myself first and that person did too. And I thank you very, very much for that. Well, yes, it's all about you, right? Absolutely. But, you know, it has been another action-packed week for us. You got up to a bit of mischief on Sunday night when you were washing the dishes. What happened? Well, I wasn't getting to mischief. I was actually washing the dishes, slipped, dropped a dish, sliced my hand, a ripper, and uh, end up in the ER getting patched up, which really is not ideal at the moment because we have just taken on a shop lease. We're expanding Mitch and Mark home to a shop front in our town of Newport at the beach. And this week... We have plans to move furniture in. We're painting. We've got that amazing Graphico wallpaper you've designed that's going into the shop. And a complete shop fitting, and we open in 10 days, so we're actually cutting it fine, Marky. Yeah, it is. But speaking of fitting things out, we're speaking today to a couple that have not only fitted out some spaces, not shops or homes, we're talking restaurant spaces here. These are people that you've been friends with for years. One of them... He kind of is a bit like your naughty brother. He loves to hang out with you and get up to all sorts of no good. So can you share with the listeners who this couple is? Well, we're talking about, firstly, Colin Fasnich. Colin and I do get up to some, into some trouble sometimes, parting. Probably a bit harder than we should, but I want you all to know that it's never my fault. Colin is a bad influence. But the strong influence in his life is his wife, Jane Hyland. Colin and Jane um, are... Pretty much restaurant royalty, Mark. Colin is one of the most celebrated chefs in the country, as well as superstar of MKR. But also, Jane is less known for her restaurant background, but she's ran the front of house for some of the top restaurants in the country. Yeah, so this is a couple that actually knows about kitchens. They know about commercial kitchens. Colin has some huge achievements with his cooking, common sense cookbooks, you know, the biggest achievement at the moment is Lily and Maeve. I think they're taking over from Colin. Well, their daughters, Lily and Maeve, work with them on their Instagram page doing cooking demos, and they actually got better talent than Colin in front of the camera. Sorry, Colin, but it's a, it's a fact. But, Marky, without any further ado, I think it's time we move straight in. Welcome, Colin Fasnich and Jane Highland. Colin and Jane, Hello. for the audience, let's wind the clock back. You both had um, amazing careers in Ireland. Colin was a superstar chef in Ireland with uh, Liam Tomlin, was it? 
Good to see you've done the research. I was a nobody in Ireland. Like, obviously, my parents thought I was, I was somebody good. No, I'm big in Ireland. <laughs> big in Japan. My um, cousins had a catering company. So yes. I used to wash dishes, wash dishes like most chefs. And then I became a commie chef. And then I went to college. So I worked for relatives over there. And you made a big move to London. Then after college, I moved to uh, London for a little while. And then I went to Oxford and worked for Raymond Blanc. That's where I got my ass kicked. And then after that, I, I finished there and I came to Australia on a holiday. And Jane also came to Australia on a holiday looking for... Apparently, you were looking for Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, no, I said there was no Chris Hemsworth, no Chris Hemsworths around in my day. But, you know... You were looking for the Aussie... Chris Hemsworth style, the beach. I know I'm looking at Cullen, that blonde. I'll go downstairs and get a hammer. I'll be poor. <laughs> you surf. Uh, the net. Very good no, surf in the net. You don't surf. <laughs> no, you've surfed, haven't you? Uh, do you know where I first surfed? We did uh, Cullen's Ireland for Channel 7 and we went back to Ireland and I actually surfed in Donegal for the first time in, and it was freezing. So there you go. And yet you live on the beach here and you haven't surfed here yet. But I was out, mate, I was out swimming today, all, you know, in my little wetsuit. Good idea. Not in your little budgies. No, 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 it's a bit cold. You went from Ireland, travelled all around the world, came here, met an Irish girl, and then went back to Ireland to surf. Yeah. Yeah. But see, I'm not normal. That's why you like me, because I'm not normal. <laughs> like, that's what normal people do is, you know, come to us and surf. And when, <laughs> and when you met, it was love at first sight. No, I wouldn't say that, mate. I was pushing it. No. It was... Ain't no fairy tale. She landed on her feet. Now, now uh, pe- so many people are envious and jealous of Jane. But, you know, she wakes up every day to the fairy tale. The Greens Brothers fairy tale. Don't think it's got a happy ever after ending. <laughs> 20 years strong. I'd be out for murder by now. So, no, I in my research, I read something about Colin wanted to come to Australia and thought he would meet an Aussie girl and he met this Irish woman. And as much as he shouted, she shouted back. And he thought, oh, she's a bit, you know. She's as strong as him. She likes to argue, which is... I don't like to argue. Yeah, I just do. don't if like to just accept that. You, sometimes you need to be argued with. You're not always right. Oh, so you, you two argue? No, no. Sometimes. No. So, Colin, I want to go back. You said something about with Raymond Blanc, that's where you learned to be a proper chef. You got your ass kicked. What? How was that a proper chef? What were you doing before that? Well, I, I actually worked for a guy called Kevin Thornton, and he got a Michelin star after six months, and I was there at the start. I was basically the lowest of the low, kitchen hand and apprentice, and I thought my shit didn't stink. Like, I, I was a little bit cocky. Imagine that, calling me cocky. And then when I walked into Raymond Blanc's kitchen, and there was 40 chefs in the kitchen, it was like, mate, you know nothing. I don't like, and they tell me do stuff, and I try and change it, and I just get slapped. And you'd start work at half six in the morning, like picking veg. It's all very romantic, but it's not because it was freezing cold. It was Oxford. It was, and then you'd work all day till twelve o'clock at night. You get a half an hour break, and there was nothing romantic about it. And it was it was a kitchen real by fear, like. But that's all kitchens in in the UK were run by like that. But I didn't actually learn to cook properly there. I learned to taste. I learned to clean a lot. And I learned to just move fast. But you were so afraid, I think. It sort of hindered your learning. Mm -hmm. But it gave you speed and discipline. That's what I learned. And from there, Colin, you got an opportunity to come to Australia or you just came here on a holiday and took it from there? 
I actually applied to America. <laughs> oh. And because you're Irish, the uh, I went to the uh, immigration in uh, in Dublin, so the American embassy, and I paid my £1,500 at the time. Wow. Yeah, the next window, the woman went, Psh, the client. Straight the client. away. While she's, while she's counting the money in the next <sighs> window, because the Irish were, were sort of a, a risk in America of not coming back at that time. So... I applied to Australia, got the visa, and I went to America along the way and then ended up in Sydney as a holiday. And I knew Justin North at the time. And I said, I don't want to work. I just want to be a barman and get chicks and sit on the beach. And then he goes, come talk to my friend Liam Tomlin, which was at Bank. The restaurant had three hats at the time. Oh, no, I just was in the process of getting there. And Liam said, start tomorrow. And I was like, oh, man, I'm back in the wheel. Like... Because bank was basically another 16 hours a day. Yeah. It was a, such a great kitchen. I've never worked in a kitchen where you've got, like, say, nine guys in a row who could all cook. This wasn't like apprentices. These were, like, proper cooks. And, Colin, at, out of that kitchen at bank, for those that don't know it, it was the place to be to dine in its day. The names of chefs that have come out of there are just astounding. Justin North, Matt Kep, truly look. Yeah. And it goes on. The top of the top. But it was a very fun kitchen. Like, it was hard. But, um, you know, we all hung out together after work and on the weekend. It was like a family, you know. But you decided to leave. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up, bitch. <laughs> uh, there was a little party held one night when the doors of the establishment were closed. And we may have got in a lot of trouble, like about eight of us. And eight of us... We sort of had to leave the premises. Probably you mean assisted? You were, you were assisted to leave the premises, were you? But I stayed friends with Liam and actually caught up with Liam in, in Ireland and stuff since since then. So me and Liam are, are still good friends. But my advice is don't stay back and have a party and cook for the entire restaurant after work because they don't really like they that. They don't like So So but for the woman who declined, but for that woman who went, Stamp, you're out of here, you could have been in America and you wouldn't have been here in Australia? I wouldn't because no. I travelled a little bit around America and I just, I didn't like the culture. It was all very dollar, dollar, like everything's about the dollar and who you'll step on to get the dollar. And then when I came to Oz, like there's a lifestyle, like there is, you've got to pay bills and whatever, but it is lifestyle orientated, you know? Yeah. But also in, the person who said that Irish tend to go to America and not leave, well, <laughs> when it comes to coming to Australia, they were pretty damn right, weren't they? Yeah, well, it was sunny. But I did, I did actually, I did go back and work for uh, Gordon Ramsay for a little while wow. in between my, my trip. And then I was like, what, what have you done, mate? Because I was living in a one-bedroom apartment with Simon Gregory, another great Aussie chef who works in London now. So two of us were in there, basically a squat working for Gordon Ramsay, and we'd, we'd go to work at 7 in the morning and miss the last tube on the way home and have to get the night bus, and I was like, what are we doing? So why did you go back? What were you wanting to, to get out of it? Uh, well, I had to go back and get my visa, and then I wasn't sure if I wanted to stay in Oz. Yeah. You know, I thought I still had something to prove as a chef, and then I went back and I was like, don't, I don't need to be doing this again. And while you were doing all of this, Jane, this is Colin's journey to Australia. What, what was your journey to Australia? How was it that you guys ended up crossing paths? So I came on a holiday as well, but a little bit later. I think I came March 2000 and 
did a bit of traveling. Long story short, as he was having the party and got asked to leave bank, I was blagging my way into a job for Maryville. So after he left bank, he went to Maryville as well. And this was August 2000, so just before the opened establishment. What, what establishment yeah. was like at the, the just pinnacle? Open. Like there was a queue down the road to get into Yes. It. But back then, no one had seen a bar like this in Sydney yeah. or a restaurant upstairs or a hemisphere. So we were there like the first day going, what an amazing building and what the hems have done. Like, great business. But I was thinking, why have I blagged my way into this job? <laughs> but, but so, Jane, you were front of house. Colin was in the kitchen. And somewhere, yeah. somewhere at the pass, your eyes crossed each other. Yeah. Yeah, probably across the dockets here. Across the plate. <laughs> No, and then we, I think we had, it was drinks afterwards, wasn't it? Oh, we went to Tank, like all the employees did. Yeah. And uh, Great we, we got free drinks, free free drinks off the barman who we used to feed during the day. So then we get free drinks at night. Sorry, Justin, didn't say that. <laughs> and so we basically got free tequila all night. And then obviously that helps connect people tequila and stuff like that. And then... Well, I wasn't drinking tequila. Well, you were drinking something else, <laughs> but you made a good effort. Yeah, and then we started hanging out. And you don't eat it. You don't drink, Jane? Not water. Not water. <laughs> so it's been a wild journey and 20 years later, two beautiful girls, Lily and Maeve, um, yeah. and with all of your amazing restaurant experience have, have been together in uh, Four in Hand, then yeah. your own restaurant, 414, and now you've got yeah. now you've got the pubs. What pubs have you, what, what pubs do you have now? Uh, we run the kitchens at Banksia Hotel and Terminus Hotel in Pyramont. Yeah, and so so you've got all this amazing restaurant background, but all of a sudden the tables have turned, and now you're doing internet cooking, with Colin being the dish hand to Lily and Maeve. Yep. Pretty much. So, Colin, you've gone from being this kick-ass chef to you are now Lily and Maeve's assistant. Yeah, he's a support act. See, you've got to know when uh, times are times and how things work and what the market is. So that's why I'm very clever. Like, I don't need to be in the spotlight. I just need the cash, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's um, one of the college generation planning or succession planning. Succession planning. So I'm like Britney Spears' dad, just that uh, they're locked up a they are allowed out a few more hours a day. That's all. And there's been amazing television experience with, you know, heading up MKR with Manu in the background and the other guy. <laughs> and uh, uh, who's the other guy? Uh, Pete, Pete, Pete Evans. And also a no. bit of time in the jungle. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. See, I told you I was a celebrity. <laughs> did, did, you, did you win that? No. I actually got to the final. To the final. <laughs> the final 10. I, I, went, I went the full distance all the way to the final. How many were in the final? Five. No, seven. Seven. It was seven. Oh, I came fourth. I came fourth. You came fifth. So I'm did glad you, you got Jane here to keep you on the toes. Do you think it was common sense that got you through it? Wow. Give that a plug. Common <laughs> sense cookbook. <laughs> Absolutely. That was good. So I've got the one question. What did you learn? in the jungle that you didn't know before you went into the jungle? To cry on TV. That that the toilet's pretty dodgy because the flies, you've got to clench because <laughs> the flies are bad. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> what did you learn? What did you learn jungle. about yourself? I, I See, I thought I would have got in a lot of trouble because sometimes I'm quite outspoken. And what I did was I censored myself every day. So every day I woke up, I said, you know, it's it's a TV show. You've done enough TV shows. Whatever you say, if you don't say it, they can't use it. So 
and there was a couple of times where I had to bite my lip, which is very rare for me because usually I just let it go. And I'd argue with, and I'd, I wouldn't argue, which I thought was quite good. So I sort of listened to the other points of view and processed it and said, is it worth arguing and what will happen if I argue? So that's what I did. Is there something you could have used in life before the jungle, you think, that could have made a difference? <laughs> It's probably something you don't use on a daily basis. But then I sort of, I sort of got hired for my kitchen because I was the guy who argued. Yes. And then, and then I got known as the grumpy guy because obviously that's editing. You understand editing, guys. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, no. And then, so the reason I did the jungle was to prove that I wasn't the grumpy guy. I read somewhere, Colin, that you, you said that the sort of chef you were known as was like a tough kick-ass chef and then one day you woke up and looked around and went oh no one wants to work with me and maybe i need to do something different did you did you say that is that did you have that realization well that's 100 percent true we all all the bank boys when we left and did our own kitchens we ran our kitchens like bank so 16 hours a day we rolled our staff like if you stayed you had to be good like the people who stayed were machines but if you weren't any good mate we got rid of you and like it was like the wolves and i was the toughest and like, I'm not proud of it, but that's we had to make our name. And back then, there was no Instagram. If you got a bad review in the newspaper, they closed the doors. Yeah. So you were always on edge. Yeah. You were always afraid of getting a bad review. And then I remember there became a time where no one would work for me because I was known as one of the hardest chefs. So I thought I wore it as a badge of honor for many years. Then I was like, actually, it's not cool because no one will work for you. And then I changed. I think it was after I had my first daughter, I changed. Whatever, and, and then I had a lot more women work for me, like Carla Jones and and Tiffany, uh, Tiffany Jones, Carla Jones. Uh, lots of women started to work for us, and then that sort of mellowed out everything in the kitchen. And I think that was that was really good, actually. I think Colin, by the time I met you, which would be 15, 18 years ago, your crew that you had then they were they were family. They they were tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like if you like the people that that I associate with the restaurants you've been involved in for you and Jane they have stuck to you like family. They've, they've become very close. They still they still come around here for dinner. They don't even knock at the door half the time. People just walk in. Who, who They are basically family. Mm. Or at Christmas, they come around here and we all cook. So we've all, we all still stick together. And but now they're not afraid to give it back to us. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll still call me chef, yeah. which is a bit weird. But that's, a, that's the kind of respect, isn't it? That's out of respect. Yeah. But that, that sounds, Colin, like there was a realisation that changed life in a way because if you didn't get that realization that it's not about that badge of honor you thought i'm good and tough because i do it this way you had to think differently and the relationships changed things flowed on because some people don't do let me wrap it up so you had to be less of a cunt basically well yeah basically (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i was always quite happy being who i was and then i didn't have to prove it like you're always trying to prove and then i was like who am i trying to prove it i've done it so you got to relax a bit. So once you kind of went, I'm okay, you didn't yeah, have to yeah. harass people. You didn't have to make them feel bad because you went, actually, I'm okay. I don't have to beat you. I don't have to be better than you because I'm okay. And also delegates, like not, oh, yeah. Dele- it was very much a micromanager, um, probably up until Lily was born. And then, yeah, Carla Jones had to delegate. Carla Jones, uh, very good because she was my sous chef at the time. She's up in Coffs now. I, I would let Carla sort of run things and she and it probably ran better when I wasn't there. So big ups to Carla Jones. So having the confidence to be able to let, let it go, but you said yeah. your first Lily's birth, having a child also changed how you manage people or how you dealt with people. 
Oh yeah, because my dad worked sixteen hours a day. Uh, always, like if he wasn't working, he was doing book work. Everything was work. And like, not a bad dad, but I'm just saying, he he didn't take you around the field to play football or something. And I was like, you got to change that. Like it's up to you. No one gives you the handbook. So I said, oh, do you want to? Is that what you want to be? Do you want to be that parent, or do you want to be the parent who goes around the field to play football? So that's the choice I made. And and working was also about a goal of owning a home. Well, I think. No, I'm very, uh, my father instilled in us a very work driven. You all had to work, you know what I mean? So it's, it's in our blood. So yeah, to own a home, like especially in Australia, there's lots of people who will never, like we don't own it. We've still got a massive, we've still got a mortgage. But, like you know what I mean? Welcome yeah. to us. <laughs> yeah. So, so you bought your first home in Malabar? No, our first um, apartment was in Club 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 James and her. From what inheritance? I don't know. Whatever money you had the money. Jane, were you the source of the savings? Yes. <laughs> savings. Oh, really? Yeah. Inheritance. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 no, it was, yeah. See, see the way I said that, though? Because yeah. you would have went, you know. So you guys got into the property market through an apartment in Clovelly? Yeah. Yeah. And that was probably the first one and the only one that we've done major renovations on. Oh, wow. On. I didn't know you did renos on that. Well, not not really. Oh like, no, no, this is, no! This is all the guys who sat at the end of the bar, a four in hand, was a builder, a carpenter, and a plumber who and would get rode off every day. <laughs> came round their house and rebuilt it. But they were the best bed trades people yeah. in the eastern suburbs. What did you do there? We knocked down the uh, the wall from the front room of the kitchen, so it's got what was the beam that you can't knock down? Yeah, the support so, beam, the lintel. We had to put a support beam in, but we made the kitchen and the living room one oh, room because it was like an old house. And then we... Um, New so floors. It, yeah, and then we put in a uh, separate entrance into the second. So it was a one bedroom with the sunroom, but we reconfigured it so it had two separate entrances, so you became two bedrooms. Well, a bedroom and a nursery. And then, do you know what we did? We flipped it. That's what they call oh, it. We flipped it. Property mm. flippers. We property flipped it. Ah, oh, we never knew you were property flippers. Now, hold on a minute. That's that's never knew. We did it once. <laughs> we did it once because we soon realised that a one bedroom with a nursery in Clavelli is far too small when you have two, two kids. <laughs> two kids under two. Kids ruin everything. And then you yeah. bought your next home, which was a house you upgraded to. Yeah, we bought a townhouse in Matraville. Hated it. He didn't like it. We didn't do anything it. to that. That was. It was, did we do anything? No. Painted it probably. Painted it, I hated that joint. And then, yeah, moved out of that, rented somewhere for a while, and then bought Malabar, where we are now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And Malabar is the dream home. Will be when uh, when you eventually, because you promised to come around and help do our kitchen in our front room, 
Well, that's obviously yeah, after obviously a lot of champagne you. every Christmas, but nothing's happened yet. <laughs> You've said you're going to put on the hot pants and the builder's belt and come and redo so, it. So we, we're waiting. We obviously have to do over our kitchen because you keep telling us every Shit. time you come around, Mitch. Uh, but we have done stuff like the garden and built a swimming pool and built a garden. So we're gradually getting there. So you're taking it on chunk by chunk. You've done the pool, which is insanely fabulous out the back, yep. an amazing decking. So you you created your yeah. backyard, which was a wasteland, into basically another huge living area. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't a wasteland. It just wasn't for us. Like it was a garden that the couple that were here beforehand must have been serious gardeners because they had plants upon plants upon. It was beautiful, like stunning, but it just wasn't us really in the long term. We're not people that want to spend our weekends weeding or yeah. mowing the lawn. The Estonian dream for the girls, too. Cool. Yeah, put a pool in. I never had a pool. I don't care what the kitchen looks like. I wanted a pool. <laughs> I've never had a pool as a kid. I was like, if I go to Australia, I want a house with a pool. And now you've got just that with a great a great living area around it. Yeah. yeah. No, it's good. In the yeah. summer, just, it gets nailed out there. We, we yeah. basically live out there. And then that that sort of put a bit of a dent in the um, finances for a little while. But then every time we want to do a reno... We have like a COVID or a lockdown or, you know, and so it's like, oh, we better wait because no one knows what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. We, but just, you, we just put every, a lot of things have been on hold over the last few years. But we do know you did do a bathroom. He still has his three <laughs> tubs of paint that he bought in March 2020. Yeah. For the first, uh, whenever COVID first hit that, he was going to repaint the whole house. Yeah, but you know what I found, <laughs> Mitch? You know, you know my still project? Here. I bought a caravan and I, I ran out the caravan. And anyone who follows me on Instagram will see what a great job I did. Is it on Instagram? So you're the new renovation king and queen of Australia? Yeah, painted it, did the cupboards, did tiles around the caravan, put the carpet down, got new seats, new covering. So in the house, the, the one room that needed it the most was your main bathroom. So the bathroom was the original from the house, which... I think was early, either late 80s, early 90s. Had to pull out the bathroom and the laundry as well subsequently. So, so this was James. Can I just say the pool area, which is stunning, and garden was my project, right? I was project manager. So it's a little bit like the block or something, right? So that was my project. Shane and Blaze and all them would have given me 10, 10 out of 10. <laughs> right? Out of 100, I would have been through to the next round, book a free car, suitcase full of cash. You don't get a 10 easily. She wouldn't have given 10. Jane's project was the bathroom. Okay, guys, we have a problem here. Sunday night show, we got a problem. The scoring starts. The floor is a little bit level, <laughs> so the water when you had a shower actually travelled out around the house. The only person that does that to no, is, is him. Yeah, because the arms and legs must be flying everywhere. I don't know what he does. The gradient wasn't right. Have, have you ever done a bathroom before? Is this your first bathroom runner? Yeah, like we, you know, had our had our builder, and I. I suppose I did the design element of it. She yeah, designed the design flat floor in a shower. So you were talking, Colin, about the, the floor. So that's the fall. So you would have had, what, a 1980s bathroom that probably had like a plug waste in the middle and a, and a shower yeah. that was enclosed, yeah. which yeah. is kind of cool because the water hits the screen, goes down, it goes into this middle waste. But the new thing. Isn't it, Mitch? Well, the, need, like the a, last 10 years. You need a strip drain yeah. down the far end. So yeah. do you have, did they put a strip drain in? Or yeah. They did. Yeah, we got yeah. that. That's yeah. The strip. Yeah. But it just, the amount the water comes down, it fills up and just gradually, I, you know, it's not fast enough. I'm still in denial. It's fine whenever everybody else in the house has a star. It's just whenever, he's all, you're also pretty tall as well. So I think it's whenever. Well, 
he was like, in it. Man. Whose house was it? Like, you, you, did you design it as little people were going to have a shower? <laughs> Me. You designed it, like, because Colin's so tall and muscular, all that water hits that muscular frame and it bounces off. Mark, this is the person who can't have a bath without having uh, water all over the bathroom floor. So I'm, I'm taking his criticism with a pinch of salt. We did try, well, I did try and rectify that, the, the gradient with the little strips. You know, you know at the, at the, what, when you. Yeah, yes. at the entrance where you walk in, there's a strip. Just, so we just put a strip in so that it yeah. that, Has it. that helped? Perhaps. Yes, yes. That oh, little bit of plastic has helped. So it doesn't now, the water doesn't now go around the shower screen into that secondary waste, which is probably under the basin or near the basin. Yeah, correct. But I think that's a tip for anybody who's looking at putting in a walk-in shower. Make sure you have enough space. And if you don't have enough space, go with the door. There's, there's plenty of nice alternatives to having a walk-in. When it comes to a bathroom and a wet area, practicality is just so important because it's. I know we've found it so frustrating when we, we did it at Woolloomooloo. We did a beautiful bathroom and it wasn't deep enough. And every time you have a shower, you're you're always mopping the floor. Yeah, you just don't yeah. want that. So you need to make sure you've got enough space or find an alternative. I think it's really tough when you're looking at designing a bathroom. And the reason I asked you, have you done it before? If it's a small space, like if it's a small bathroom space as well, it is. If you haven't designed a bathroom before, Mitch and I have done lots of bathrooms and we've had mistakes that we've made along the way. It's a it's a big job, it's an expensive job, and it's probably something you're not going to do, you know, once every 10 years. Yeah. So we one can... of the things often people talk about is first off, look at the function of the room. You know, who's going to use it? How are they going to use it? Are they going to have long showers and splash water everywhere? Is it for tall people? Is it for short people? <laughs> is it for a family? Is it for an older couple that doesn't have family at home? Work out how they want to use the space. Do you want to have double vanities? Do you want a walk-in shower? And then work out functionally, is it going to work? Well, ours is, if you're small and you want to buy this house, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's going. Willy Wonka and the Uber Ubers can even... <laughs> Well, I'm pretty fine. So five seconds. So beyond that, the the next step was always going to be the kitchen. But in a recent conversation I had with you, Jane, you're now putting your focus on the downstairs area where there's two bedrooms, a living area and a bathroom. And the bathroom is entrance through one of the bedrooms without access any other way. Your plan is to change that to to make that space more usable. Yeah, because we don't use it. Like it's really, it's, um, it's sort of the guest bedroom. It's become, if we leave it too much longer, it's, it's becoming the dumping room for any of the rubbish that, you know, you know. Oh. there's a set of drums down there. There oh, is um, it's a studio. It's a set of drums. There's now a TV projector onto the wall down there. It's a home theatre. It's yes. a home theatre. But the idea behind that was making the two bedrooms down there functional for the two girls. So as they got older, we would move down there. But then looking at it, I was like, we, you know, you kind of need to have the bathroom um, as a separate door, not through one of the bedrooms. Yeah. So the plan is to do a bathroom that's entering from the hall yeah. that both, both bedrooms can use, but also to utilise that living area space down there. Yeah. 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 So the stuff we were talking about a minute ago in terms of function, a lot of people when they're talking renovation and interior design, they talk function, form and finish. So this is the first discussion in your plan about function. How do you want that space to function better for your family? And you're really also talking about how do we design it so that the family grows with the house and the house grows with the family. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because you yeah, wanna... well, it's got like an old, an old car, but it's got the old windows, like the sliding ones. And we're like, we live near the sea. So obviously that, that's all corroding. And and we live upstairs. So basically we spent all our time upstairs and we never go down. But you've paid all this money for this house and you don't use downstairs. Yep. So, you know, it's a bit of a waste. But as, the, but as the girls do get older, so that'll be a great area for them to have their bedrooms and, and also to have a separate living area. So it needs to be yep. functionally work and, and it'll help you grow the house. Yeah. And, yep. and with that, as it's a living room, like also as a workstation as well, because, you know, I think we'll all be working from home or we need to look at that as more of a, an option as well. So that there's a space there for, yeah, you can still have your TV, but there's, there should be still a space for an office. Yes. Sort of and as the girls get older, they'll want, they'll want their own space. Yeah, where yeah. Maeve can keep all her lizards and oh, the whole – no, no, oh, we don't talk about that, do we? It went, it went, it went on a trip. <gasps> oh, okay. It's on holiday. Oh, no. Oh, really? The lizard's dead. Yeah, we've had, we've had a bit of, bit of a morning week. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, the lizard died. Yeah. Oh dear! Well, we, we, we could be. We don't know. He went missing. He's it. just gone on a trip. Could be back. Who knows? He's, he's missing. Presumed. Mia. <laughs> Mia. So going over what we've been through in the last few years with COVID and lockdowns, mm-hmm. what does your home mean to you now? What does your home need to be to you now that it wasn't prior to the new world? when you spent way much more time at work and less time at home, mm. what have you found out about what your home means to you and what it needs to mean to you? One of the, the good rentals we did was downstairs, un, underneath our um, sort of deck upstairs, because we got a deck upstairs. Downstairs was a wasted sort of plant area, and the sun comes in the, like in the east, so all the front of the house gets the sun in the morning and then moves around, right? So we had this wasted area underneath so we built a deck under a deck oh wow and we've put some, some chairs so the front yard now has actually become somewhere where i actually i prefer to be at the front because oh. i built a veggie oh, wow. patch at the front so it was a wasted area under our house and i think in lockdown and that it became somewhere where the kids would play on the street and you can sit out and read a book at the front so that was something we utilized in lockdown we built somewhere else that we never had but it's outdoors and it faces sort of ocean way yeah so and i think we're just very lucky where where we live during lockdown like geography wise because we're near the shooting range in the national park so i mean we're just using sort of little pockets and making them better you know what i mean but don't you think it's just a good question you ask spending more time at home you actually see how the sun works with yeah. your home and then how you live yeah. differently because before you know you yeah. guys with such long hours at work. You'd be getting up in the morning, and especially when you'd be, you know, you'd go to school, you'd go to work. I never realised that downstairs was a little sun trap until you're spending all day, every day. So you can take, you know, you can take the laptop up out down there. You can, and it just gives you that bit of vitamin D. And and our our back warmer. our back garden was say our veggie patch and our grass, but it didn't really have that much sun. So we we took like just bit the bullet and dug up half the front garden. Well, not half, oh, wow. but a chunk of it. And now, mate, the amount of, because it gets all the sun Amazing. in the morning, and then the amount of vegetable we got, and people now stop and go, wow, look at that veggie yeah. patch. Like it's, it's- Can you tell he likes outside living more than inside yeah, living? Yeah, yeah. I think it's really interesting how through this change, as a result of COVID, people spending time at home, 
people have had to think more about how they live in the space. I mean, I, I find yeah. that stuff really interesting. How do you live in the space that you call home and with yeah. more time at home, how you live differently? You might use a room differently now, like you guys said, you're now creating a living outside. The yeah. garage has, you know, a, a mat in it that becomes the gym. So you can open the garage door and it becomes the gym. You know, you've got the drum room downstairs has become the extra room where the kids do their Zoom dancing or they do their Zoom music lessons or whatever yeah. they're doing. Mm. So you're using different rooms as well. But for- the front the front of the house was just where you parked your car. Yeah. Like there was no consideration went in. So when we when we built the deck outside the wall on the street, we planted trees. So it's become like a new a new living area. So it's all changed. It's created a whole different way of experiencing yeah. your home. I, I love the front of the house now because before, as I said, it was just a bit of grass and where you parked yeah. your car and you walk in and you never looked at it again. And now in the afternoons or in the mornings, we're out there sitting down, we put a hammock up, you know. Yeah, because the, the one big thing you hear is that people decide they need workstations at home, but I haven't. There hasn't been a, a lot mentioned about the fact that utilising sunny spots that, that you didn't know were there. And I think we've discovered so much more about our home, spending so much more yeah. time here. Yeah. So this whole experience has changed people about how we live and how we use space and what we do in that space, which has been pretty amazing. We've seen people, you know, so much more renovation happening at home. Paint, there's a lot of paint sitting in people's Garages not being used yet. Hopefully, that's used. But people are thinking differently about space, and I find that really, really interesting about homes. So, we've heard about how you got here, and for Colin, it was because he couldn't get to America. For Jane, it was a holiday, and she met Colin, and he changed her life forever. And the fairy tale, the fairy tale, the fairy tale goes on. You've been, you're into your third home, which you've got um, a renovation schedule ahead of you. Um, for a home that's going to last you right through till the kids up and leave, which is by today's standards, that could be another 20 years. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But life is good for Colin Fasnidge and Jane Highland. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, in in the day and age where there's people who, who can't even afford to get on the property ladder, and we live in a house, obviously it's a fixer-upper, but <laughs> we've got everything we want in it. We just need to improve certain areas. And the actual area we live in, you couldn't, like we're near a national park, we're near a beach. So, yeah. you know, yeah, life is good. And and the kids are healthy and well and their school's not far, so it's good. It's good. Well, guys, I suppose we've had so many questions for you. Um, we would be very happy to answer any questions you have of us and nothing's off the table. Give us your best shot. Are you glad you did the block? Yeah. The second time, Ryan. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. It was it was the it was the chance of a lifetime again. And uh glad we did it and no regrets. Not at all. It's you know it's a privilege and a lot of people you know, apply and we've been so lucky to be able to do it. And it takes, it, it's intense and everything you see with the build and what you do building-wise is completely real. Um, mm-hmm. To be given a chance to use somebody else's money to create a house, you know, that we created 
this last time with no plans to create exactly how you think people live, uh, it's, it, you don't ever get to do that. It's amazing. I have a good question. Yeah. So after you after you seen the first block and how the editing works, how did you go on the second block with, yeah. with your mindset? Good question. I think that we knew that you could be edited anyway. We made sure that any any conversations we had which we thought might be tricky, we made sure we had them on camera. You can't be accused of something that didn't happen if they have it on camera. Yeah. We learned that the second time around. Also, we didn't hold back. We just have kind to be of, yourself. We kind of just, just to be honest. Yeah. I think the first yeah. time when they, when it got when it was highly emotional or your true views. I think we we're probably more timid with some of that the first time around. This time I thought, you know what, um, we are who we are and if um, if people like it, great. And if they don't like it, it has to be okay. Yeah. I remember it, going to reality the, show, so be real. The first one thinking you just have to be yourself. But I hadn't experienced TV. So there were a couple of times where it's like, oh, I don't want to talk about that on camera. This time around was everything is on camera. You have to be honest about yourself. Some people are going to like you. You know, Colin, you know from being on TV, some people are going to like you and some people are not going to like you. A couple of things rang in my mind is, you know, what you think about me is none of my business. I kind of get that you may or may not like me, but that's none of my business. And then another thing I kept in mind was live your life as if anything could be put on the front page of a newspaper and you just have to own it and go, that's who I am. We're, We're human. Everyone is human and everyone is fallible everyone has great moments and everyone has low moments you just have to live life with your own integrity that's all you can do so we just went on there and we were ourselves it looks like he's sitting there biting his tongue on (laughs) yes you know one thing that that people will see they often see in those adverts mitch going off and there's one in the last block advert and we went into the body corporate meetings that they have and not like Mitch said to me before we walked in, because there's there's a big scandal, there was a big carry-on, and Mitch said to me, now you can be too direct sometimes, so before we go into this meeting, you just don't say anything because you could be too, you know, officious and too authoritative. So I thought, fine, I'll shut my mouth because I can be. Yeah. And I walked in, and within like two seconds, Mitch lets loose with, Something about uh, one of the twins said to Mitch, you know, you're being passive-aggressive, and Mitch just let loose with, you want to see passive-aggressive? I'll show you passive-aggressive. And I was like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Well, the whole of Australia has seen that now, and they see where it was coming from. So it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And we love the boys. We get on really well. Yeah, they're they're great boys. They're good boys. They're really good guys. Guys? Thank you, Thank you so, so much. much for your time. Thank, Thank you. you. It's been a pleasure. I can't wait to have you around to slag off my kitchen again soon. Thanks, guys. Mitchie, I always love catching up and talking to Colin and Jane, but, you know, understanding that Colin came through his career in those days of, like, the Gordon Ramsay, you know, do or die, you just have to work harder and harder kitchens – But he's now realised you actually have to be more supportive and encouraging and have your team around you to be successful. Sounds like, you know, the birth of his kids becoming a father was part of that. But he's also now produced some of the best chefs in this country that way. Well, Mark, I do agree. I think that they're having the girls, and like preteen girls, he has had to change. And and that has been reflected in the way he runs restaurants. But, Mark, I love these guys to bits, and it was so great chatting with them. But it was really interesting when we got to the renovation side of things 
with their focus being on that this is their family home, but they have to grow with the home. So one, they've got to accommodate their girls that are going to be teenagers and then into young adults. So they want the home to expand with them. But also the COVID situation changed the way they view their home. Like there's that room downstairs they don't use, but it gets great morning light. So how do they make that space work better? And I think that we'll find that that's pretty common for a lot of us. We've all had to change the way, well, no, not had to change. We've realized we can change the way we use our homes. But that's it for this week. So thank you so much for all your lovely comments and reviews. And please keep them coming. It's early days for our show and we need all the love we can get so that we can get more people listening. As usual, you can check out our show notes for all the details of what we chatted about today and links to any of the things our guests have spoken about or are passionate about. It's a great way to find out more about them. We love hearing from you. So if there's something that you'd like to share with us or you'd like us to cover in our podcast, please email us at realityreno at missionmark.com. That's it from us, and we look forward to speaking with you next week. Bye now. Coming up next week. So I was out on Murder Hunt and I loved it. Our guest is a TV presenter, a journalist, a good Samaritan, but also has a love for murder. I've seen seven dead bodies. She has an incredible story of creating her own opportunities and overcoming some pretty outrageous criticism. We've decided you'd be better behind the scenes because you're not really the right look. You're too fat for TV. But it is her resilience and her grit that makes Shelley Horton formidable. And not only had I lied about not ever having TV experience, I didn't even have the right working visa. Not to mention her chutzpah and straightforward attitude to life. When it comes to reality TV, no one thinks they're going to be the villain. Everyone thinks they're going to be the fabulous superstar. Join us for Reality Renault with Mitch and Mark wherever you get your podcast from. You guys are fabulous villains. <laughs> 